I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Thanks for tuning in to Coffee with Coaches, presented by a Quick Timeout Podcast. Before we get started, thanks to our sponsors at Dr. Dish Basketball. Their shooting machines are the best in the market right now. If you mention Quick Timeout, you'll receive $300 off select models. So to find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. Really excited today to have Randy Sherman of Radius Athletics. Today's topic is one that we haven't really gotten into much on the show, but it's one that people have asked for. And so we're going to talk today about the topic of zone offense and some strategies that go along with that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give kind of a precursor advertisement for Coach uh, Sherman. He's got a ton of stuff on Fast Models blog and probably on his blog as well. We'll have you talk about that at the end. But um, some things on zone offense specific to teams, but then also just some general principles. And so let me just go ahead and start there with basic principles, and then we can kind of dive deeper into some more strategy, I guess, or maybe some special situations related to zone offense. So, Coach, if I say to you basic principles for zone offense, what are they? First, let me let me – Say give one more resource that I think coaches could quickly access if you if you just put in the hashtag zone offense tips on Twitter when I just have a random thought or see a random good action or good good possession against zone and or or a diagram that I've drawn I I, I tend to share it there and with the hashtag zone offense tips as sort of the organizing tool for that so that would be another place to 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 just scroll through and get some ideas. Um, I would say some of the main concepts that I, I'm looking for against zone would be one first getting to what we think is the most beneficial alignment to attack it from. That's the first step. The next step would be after we've got into that alignment that we prefer against the, the type of zone that it is, um, we want to penetrate the zone somehow. Usually against zone, I found it's more often you penetrate with the pass than the dribble. I mean, they're sort of playing zone to sort of seal the lane and 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 protect the, the, the paint from dribble penetration. So sometimes penetration has to come via the pass against zone. And then the third general principle would be to play inside out. So so we get the right instruction uh, construction, we penetrate with the pass and then you know play play inside outside. Um, usually we're going to get some 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 beneficial looks against zone if we if we follow those things. I think a, a couple other little things. I just remember just sort of hearing my voice when I when I coach my teams uh, when when teaching zone offense would be two phrases. One, who's guarding you and where did they come from? That's that's a big time thing. I was always uh, looking for players to recognize is is all right. It, when you catch the pa- when you catch a pass and, and a player closes you out or the player that's guarding you, who are they? Are they the top piece of the of the one three one? Are they one of the forwards in the two three zone? Are they a guard? Is it the center? Who's guarding you and where do they come from? Because that will tell us a lot about where the ball should go next. Um, a lot of our if thens in zone teaching were if this player is guarding you, then this. You know, so you kind of need to know which piece of the zone is guarding. The second thing I was always preaching to my team was to think a pass ahead against zone. I think, and obviously this is true, coaches wish they had more shooting when they face a zone to help loosen it up. So they kind of 
that kind of view of shooting as the the primary skill to have success against the zone. And that, while true, I think passing, uh, just a good a good passing team, a team that just has smart passers that 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 sort of think a pass ahead is the teaching phrase that I really um, like to latch on to there would be, you know, when I kept, you know, when the ball's coming to me, I kind of already know who's going to be guarding me and where they're coming from. And I'm, and I catch it and I'm thinking a pass ahead, whether I just touch pass it inside to the high post or I, you know, catch, catch it and immediately skip it because we're playing, we move the zone this way and we're going to throw the ball that way. So thinking a pass ahead and knowing who's guarding you and knowing where they came from would be the two kind of teaching phrases that, that I, I repeated quite often. Coach, as you talk about, you know, knowing where guys come from and where they're coming from in the court, how would you uh, teach your guys or explain to your guys to handle a trapping situation? So if there's two guys coming at you, whether it's the short corner or the corner, um, but how do how would you teach your guys to handle, you know, maybe that situation? Well, first thing, you know, we, we would call that a disadvantage situation. If we're if we're one with the ball and two are on me, we want to avoid it. So first, that would be I would teach them how to handle it by not handling. <laughs> if we if we know where the trap's coming from, we want to not get not get the ball into that area as um, to to avoid it altogether. But same thing, if 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 we know that we're going to draw a trap, say like a one three one half court trap, and I'm I'm advancing the ball near the sideline, and I and I feel that trap. One of the things we said was engage the trap, but don't marry it. Right, like like don't get all the way covered up and double teamed in the trap, but sort of bring let it let it start to develop. Because if there's two on you, we've got big advantage everywhere else. Right, so. So we would engage the trap, but not quite marry it, right? So, and we would always know where our outlets are when we catch it, when we when we when we face a, a, a trap. So I know I'm going to have a player above me, a player on the long diagonal, a player in the middle, and a player to my reversal spot. So, so just using player positioning and using um, and using a little bit of awareness about where the traps are and how to stay away from them would be would be how we avoid them if we do find ourselves in one i think what what an error that we would find ourselves in offensively is if we found ourselves in one and one of our release valves wasn't in the place that we we're we're used to having them or in a really good sound space for that particular trap that that would cause a problem so you know we're coaching the players off the ball as much as the player on the ball when it comes to trapping to where right you know andrew's going to get you know, invite a trap right here. So therefore we need you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys here. Right. So that's what we look for. Some terms that I've seen you use before that I feel like a lot of times these can be like the nuggets that are really helpful for us as coaches, because they're those like one, two, three words that mm-hmm. help, help players remember what to do. And so with the stuff that we just talked about your first answer, and then this one, you said a couple of things, the ball movement, and then also the dribbling to beat it. I would think that most coaches, they want to say, you know, they're teaching their players to avoid even dribbling because you start dribbling towards those areas that you get sometimes trapped in. But you talk about actually using that and you've already talked about engaging the trap or, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to marry it. But you do want to draw two to the ball so that you create disadvantages other places on the floor. You talk about the triangle. The Mm -hmm. term that I'm getting to is that fill the gaps or the gap dribble. Yeah. You talk a little bit more about how to use that and then to use the advantage that you just created for yourself the right way. Yeah. Like I said, at the, at the uh, onset here was, was 
we, we want to penetrate the zone. We just like if we were, if we were, you know, playing against a man to man, we're going to, you know, praise and, and, and glorify paint touches. Well, that, that doesn't go away when we play zone. We still, we still want that. So yeah, a gap dribble would be if, if we, if we've selected the proper alignment for whatever defense, you know, where it's one, two, two, one, three, one, two, three, whatever. Then I wanted players positioned between two pieces of the zone. That's a gap, right? So so you, you know, just, just envision the top of a two, three zone and a guy at the top of the circle, right? That's he's positioned in sort of a, an equilateral triangle between the two top pieces of the zone and straight in front of him is a gap. And what I would like him to be able to do is as he's catching a pass to see if he can split that gap with the dribble. That's all the gap dribble is. If, if, um, if we can split the gap with the dribble and, and, and get a paint touch, that's going to cause a zone to collapse in theory, right? And, and, and then now we can play to the space outside the three-point line. So that's all the gap dribble is, is sort of like thinking a pass ahead. So the ball's coming to me, and I'm seeing, okay, if, if, that, if that, you know, that other elbow piece of the 2-3 zone hasn't come in and, 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 and sort of protected the nail, and I can catch it and rip it and get right into the gap and squeeze it, I might draw two and be able to play it, right? So um, that's all the gap dribble is. And, and I might get to a spot in the paint. I might split or jump stop through that gap and get, and get stick the landing right in the middle of the paint and be able to take a mid-range pull-up or a, you know, a, a, good, a good shot right there in the paint, dump it down to my big man behind the zone, something like that. So a lot of times if our positioning is good and we have good shooting on the floor, those gaps widen. And it becomes impossible for those players to seal those gaps when we try to probe them with the dribble. A companion to that would be if I if I do attempt to probe a gap and they close it effectively, I keep my dribble and just back up and and I, and, and use a backup dribble or escape dribble to to kind of keep our desired alignment and just move the ball along. Coaches, you you know there may be some teams you face uh, in your conference or throughout the season who may switch up those zones, you know, so you might play a team that's two, three all game, but, but what, what do you do with those teams where they're constantly every possession, it's maybe a two, three, then the next possession, a one, three, one, then maybe yeah. they come back with a full court one, two, two. Um, but those gaps now are consistently changing. They keep moving. And how do you, is there any mindset or cues that you teach your players to look for or to have in their head just so they're ready for those uh, constant changes? Yeah, absolutely. Great question because those teams do sort of, at times disrupt your rhythm like you you about the time you get you know one of their zones unlocked and start having success there's another one or um, so yeah that that's that's a that's a great question so so what i tried to to teach players and now coaches is that that i want i want the players to be able to recognize this because i i don't have 47 timeouts and i don't i don't have an interest in calling them if i did right so what I want is the players to recognize this and be able to and be able to adjust on the fly. One one of the things that 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 I think is an unnecessary step is, you know, your team has the ball, you're the coach, you look at the defense and and you and you see a one three one. So you look back to your point guard and say domino or five five wide or whatever your call is for that. And then next possession, you look and you see a two three and you say high low, right? You know, so. That, that step to me was one I wanted to get rid of because in a loud gym, a noisy gym, a competitive environment with all the stimulation that comes with the game, there's just a lot of moving parts there. So the first thing we wanted our players to do was to build recognition of different types of zones in practice. So we would use a drill called recognition drill where we send you know five players that way um, 
five players that way, you know, executing on air, just a, a facet of our break, maybe just, you know, outlet, pitch ahead, rim run, come back. And when they're come back, I'm stepping a team on the floor and they, the team that's coming back doesn't know what it's going to be. They, they could hop out there in one, three, one. They could hop out there in man. They could hop out there in two, three. They could hop out there in a press half court, whatever. And, and just sort of like sink or swim, baby. Like, you know, like you got to recognize it and you guys got to build the right construction to attack it. So that's how we attack that in practice. Now, a gap is a gap. So, so I tried to, to present zone offense to coaches as sort of amorphous, meaning it has no shape, right? So, so if, if, if we know what a gap is, the defense tells us our alignment. I don't. So we see a 2-3 zone, we know to have an odd, odd front, odd front, right? Two, three players because the gaps are here and here. If we see an, a, 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 an odd front zone, a single front zone, like a 1-2-2, two, two, a 1-3-1, two, a, a the gaps are here and here. We just talked about the gaps. They don't really have any specificity to, toward, toward any, any offensive play or anything. We just need to recognize where the defenders are and get where they're not. So – we just worked on building that ability to see that and recognize that in practice. And, and if, when you get players who can do it without coach intervention, I think that helps you more against those teams because your, your, your communication loop just lost a step, right? Which, which is what we want in, in those, in those sort of high, high arousal moments of the game. And oftentimes, man, I know it. I, I've had teams where not all five players on the floor are quick, to recognize that kind of stuff but like if i can get two or three who are and can start directing traffic like no get over there like like then then that's where we want to get to but ideally we'd like all five just like ah it's one three one i'm this is the gaps and we're good but you know if i can get my two or three smart guards to to get get it right and start bossing guys around and getting them where they're supposed to be we'll probably make it fine up until now, technology in youth sports has been used in relatively limited ways. Many of the apps are often slow and clunky, and many of them aren't even mobile friendly. Wildcard's all-in-one app empowers you to manage your team or club, plus create social engagement directly with players. Your team can stay connected beyond game time with blazingly fast features like chat, virtual challenges, game recaps, and profiles. They've recently launched club management so you can easily manage hundreds of teams, delegate responsibilities, and communicate simply with everyone on your team. A desktop version of club management also allows you to import thousands of teams, events, and rosters in one click and manage your entire club comfortably on one computer. Sign up for summer and fall with Wildcard. If you onboard in June, you'll get Wildcard for free, plus get grandfathered in. Use the link in the description to sign up. Again, that's the app, Wildcard. Coach, one more thing. If you haven't signed up for the members only, a quick timeout plus weekly email newsletter, let me tell you what you're missing out on. Each Sunday, I'll be sharing exclusive content not found anywhere else, including coaching courses, web clinics, video breakdowns, and audio and video interviews. That's four pieces of content a month for just $5. All you have to do is click the link in the description, and you'll not only start receiving new newsletters, but you'll also have access to all of our previous pieces of content as well. So sign up today to join the Quick Timeout Podcast Plus. We hope to see you on the list. Do you prefer more once you start executing there in the half court? Do you prefer more ball movement, more player movement, or is it 50-50? I would say the the what I call the basket-facing players, the the exterior players. So just imagine, imagine we're in like a a, a, a domino set against an odd front zone with two guards, two guys in the corner and one guy, you know, interior of the one, two, two, let's say 
So there's four basket place facing players and one interior player. So the, the, the basket facing players probably wouldn't do make much movement at all in, in the way we tended to attack zone and what the things that I like and the things that I I'm attracted to. Um, so I would say play, ball movement would be high player movement would be low, especially for the basket facing players. The interior player now he's looking or she's looking for, you know, little cuts and little soft spots. So, uh, you know, they might be moving along the baseline or, or flashing into a void in the middle of the zone or something like that. So there might be movement from that interior player or players. Um, but the basket facing players, what I call micro adjustments would be about the only uh, movement they would make. So like if, if I'm just imagine the guy at the top of, a, of an odd front zone attack against a two, three, he passes it off to the wing. Those two players, you know, the, the, the forward closes out, the guard bumps, and this other guard kind of comes over. I might move two or three feet to my right to get in that gap and stay in that gap. So when I do catch it, I can attempt a gap dribble or look, you know, split with the pass or something like that. But, but as far as like pass, cut, replace, uh, no, not with those. What I see a lot of times when I see that is like, you know, you pass it. You cut, you replace, and you and the guy with the ball is holding the ball while you yeah. just bring a player right where you already had one. You know, I heard a really good zone coach talk at a clinic one time, and he's like, "Yeah, we don't we don't pay attention to the players necessarily anyway. We we when when the ball is at a certain space on the floor, that we know when the ball's on the wing. I want this guy here, this guy here, this guy here, this guy here. So." So they don't really honor those cuts anyway. So or or pay much attention to them anyway. So we just sort of conserve that movement to slight adjustments to stay in that in the gap between the pieces in the zone to where when we did when we do catch it we're thinking a pass ahead we can either split with the dribble or split with the pass. Coach when you know you might get in a rhythm, you know, zone offenses if if you figure out a zone, they're yeah. they're sometimes pretty easy to beat. So what would you do in a situation where, you, you know, you're in a rhythm and the other team makes an adjustment, maybe second half or out of a timeout where all of a sudden they throw a junk defense at you? Maybe they come at you with a, a box and one yeah. where, you know, it still looks a lot like a zone, but they're, they're just taking that whole rhythm away. Um, is there something that you would go to or something that you would do to attack a junk defense? Let me give you a, 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 a short-term answer and a long-term answer. Um, the long-term answer is I wanted my teams to be unjunkable. Like I like the box score at the end of the night to look like 11, 8, 7, 7, 16, 12, 12, 4, 2. Like, like who would you and one in a box and one? So we're trying to build a team or build a program where we're unjunkable. But that, that doesn't help you in the immediate <laughs> moment. If it, so, so really what, what I would ask my team and my staff and my coaches are that I'm trying to unpack during the game is how did the gaps change? If they moved, if they moved from a from a you know a straight traditional two three to a box and one, the gaps didn't really change all that much. If it's a box shape, so we might not we might not change much about our alignment. We might just sacrifice that player and put them in the high post and play four on four with the same principles. Um, something like that. It would be just an immediate adjustment. If they did make just an adjustment to their zone, like like uh, you know maybe they started you know, covering the high post with a different guy, a guard instead of the center or something like that. Well, those are things I'm just always keeping my eye on, eye on during the game. 
we got a plan for that. So, so if it, you know, it goes back to that first phrase, I would talk to the player, Hey, who's guarding you, where they came from during a timeout during, you know, coach, it's, it's not the guard anymore. It's the center. Okay. Now we ought to be able to get a duck in behind the zone or something like that. So, so we're just going to try to in that chess match, just sort of like understand that like when they make an adjustment, all it means is, is, this someone else is guarding me and they're coming from a different place. And hopefully we've got an an if then for that. So what I can gather from what you're saying is, and I want coaches to understand this because they're going to think again, okay, that's all great. What's your magic play for beating a zone? I'm fresh out. And I I would, I'm guessing that you're going to say it's essentially what you would tell them is I'm not using a play. We're using principles and it doesn't matter what they throw at us. Because my next question was going to be, so what would be maybe some suggestions for beating a matchup zone? And I would assume that you're going to basically kind of repeat the kinds of things that you already said. Yeah, I, I probably would. Um, like, I, I don't consider those that different. Um, typically, those stem from a, a, a particular alignment. So we would we would construct in the gaps. Um, not Not much different. I'll try to head off your question this way, Tony, by saying uh, if, if I was facing a team that that like was really entrenched in a zone and we were having offensive problems, like we weren't getting any penetration, just a bad night, I would be more apt to do something with my own defense to, to sort of, you know, unlock the game and get it out of that just sort of sludgy, you know, bare knuckle grossness that it seems to be locked in, right? I would I would I would press a zone team if that was if it, it, to to try to um, all right they're wanting to pack the paint slow the tempo we're going to pick up in full court man to man or full court run and jump or something to sort of generate turnovers that sort of w- will give us shot opportunities at the rim that we're not finding in our half court offense uh, maybe things like like okay send four to the glass five to the glass or something we take a shot like win another factor if you're having a hard time cracking the 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 offensive puzzle then win another factor kick you know pick up your half court man to man to full court take your take your zone if it's if you play zone extend it to the full court and attempt to attempt to sort of unlock the game that way going back to some of the things that we just talked about and I know you're familiar with this but I want to kind of encourage coaches to look towards this as well we ran just our conceptual offense against it that had the that had the kind of like the pattern type movements mm-hmm. and and you've created your players so much this is we're moving the ball and we're moving to these places that we would have teams that that we scouted that had played an entire game zone the game before us would be afraid to play us zone would jump into a zone to say man let's just see what happens yeah would play one possession of it we'd hit a three or get a wide open shot and they'd be out of it right away. Yeah, that's, that happens. Um, you know, I, I always say that, that again, like, like to Andrew's question about the junk defenses, I want to be unzonable too, really, to be honest. Like I, I want to have a team or construct a program that, that really only the Jim Bayheims of the world are going to play zone against me. Like I wanted, I don't want anyone to look at our team and go, Hey, zoning those guys would be a great idea. Like, I don't, I don't want that. And, 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 you know, there will still be some coaches who do because that's their thing and it's what they believe in and I've got to be ready for it. But I think if, if, I'm, if I'm going through my 30 games in a year and I'm playing a lot of zone, I kind of need to ask myself some questions about our, 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 
our team? Why, why are we seeing this so often and what can we do to see it less often? You know, I do. I have seen that where a team you know, is really sort of a desperation ploy like you're describing. You know, they're getting they're they're shredding. They're getting shredded up in man. They jump in the zone. You hit a three and they get out of that. Well, that's a good place to be in if you can if you can uh, if you can if you're seeing that. Uh, last question related to zone offense is probably one you could go on forever about, but <laughs> kind of want to talk about it just for a couple minutes. Uh, zone offense going against zone defenses, but rebounding. Do you have anything in particular that you do, or is it kind of the same principles, or what are you telling your team to do? Against like our the offensive rebounding philosophy? Yeah. Are, are you sending more? Is it the same or what? I, I tended to send the same. Um, we call it forming a halo around the rim. So, so to, you know, the, if you can imagine the, the NCA or the FIBA, like charge circle, right. The, 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 that sort of forms like a halo around the rim is we're sending guys to those spots, sometimes three, sometimes four, that, that, that really didn't change that much to, to, as far as um, the places where we're going to, 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 to secure a second, uh, to, to try to extend the possession uh, didn't really change that much. Just form a halo around the rim. That was our teaching point there. So these conversations, like we've said before, can go on forever. And that's why coach is now regular on the shows because we just keep, <laughs> and, and so we have to find new ways to do it. So, uh, before I let you go, coach, can you tell people some more about resources where they can find you, uh, where they can find the website as well and, and get connected with you? Yeah, I mean the easiest thing to do is follow at Radius Athletics on Twitter. I'm I'm fairly active on there. Radius Athletics on YouTube, where I where I try to create lots of like helpful videos and things like that. So uh, those will be the best places. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.